Rich Eisen said, look, I need you to let me know because I really want to take you in the first round. I want to take <laughs> you with the number one pick. Yeah. What do you think? And yeah, the answer was, again, I don't want to use the word coy. I want to say strategic. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, someone always told me if you're going to bet on, some, you know, bet on something, bet on yourself. He mm -hmm. also said, it's your fantasy team. You should do what you feel comfortable with. Right. But Rich Eisen, we, gotta, we all got to you know, love Rich Eisen for doing this. He pushed it again. Mm -hmm. And Saquon's final response was, you know what? He's like, I think I'll be, you know, I think something along the lines, I think I'll be ready or I think I'll be out there week one. And then he said, and then he, he closed it with, I know. Mm -hmm. Like, I know I'll be ready, you know. So, mm -hmm. again, don't take my word for it. Don't listen to a quote and then run with it. Things are going to get blasted on Twitter. We've talked about quotes before in the past. If you can go back, especially if it's a short clip, put it in context, go listen to it, and then you decide whether or not it's important or not. Don't rely on what I tell you. Don't rely on what you see on Twitter. Go back and listen to it, and then you decide that versus what you've seen you know, with the video and, and, and any information that you've heard or not heard. I said, God, give me a warning. Please take me for the morning. So I leave more disappointments than I ever will appointments. Give a fuck about your feelings. Rub it in. This your ointment can't depend on the oink. Or find your pig in the blanket. Find a stick through your anus. Give a rim for your statement. This is shit. Now let's move on to Tom Brady for a bit. Tom Brady made a lot of news this week. But we learned this week that he played the entire 2020 season yeah, with a partial goat. MCL tear. Yeah. Relevant or irrelevant? Irrelevant. Number one, I've heard from, I want to say plenty of sources, but some credible medical sources that it likely, you know, it was not completely that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, so okay. I just don't believe it. Yeah. So know? regardless, it doesn't, honestly, it doesn't matter. I actually, I, I put more weight on the idea that this was his first time in the Bruce Arians offense. And we've heard yeah. multiple quarterbacks yeah. talk about how difficult of an offense it is to fully grasp that first year. Mm -hmm. So the fact that he was, you know, and we saw that we saw those struggles early in the year and then we really saw him take off. Right. So, you know, to me, I just see Tom Brady as someone, okay, he's got another year in the system. We didn't see a, a major fall off. That's always a potential, but we didn't see it. And he's, and he's getting Antonio Brown now, uh, you know, an entire off season now really kind of, again, uh, entrenched or uh, familiar with the playbook. He's They're getting back all 22 stars from the all 22 right. stars. And yeah. they get OJ Howard back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, I agree. It's irrelevant, but I was just so annoyed when I heard about this. Like, yeah. Like, come on, man. Like, but he's what, a goat. They do that. They, they, you know, just just making the 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 legacy just bigger and better. Hey, and you got to so, do so what it, you got to do. It. Don't. I'm not even. I'm not even gonna hate on the man. When I heard it, I went back and I I watched like all of his highlights from last year. I didn't watch. All, I just YouTube Tom yeah. Brady highlights mm -hmm. just to see because if you have an MCL tear, like you can't run like that. Like right, you just right. can't just straight up run. And the way he was rolling out and you know avoiding pressure. And yeah. I was like, man, come on, man. Like come on, bro. And then. I saw um, Dr. What's your boy, David Chow? Yeah. I saw something he said about it. Actually, he's not my it. boy. Well, well yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, well you don't want to tell me about it. I have nothing against David Chow. I'm just, I don't know him personally. You know? <laughs> yeah, you I, just, I, I don't know him personally. So, I would love to meet him sometimes, but said, I, don't, uh, I don't know him personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely would love to meet him. But he said yeah. uh, uh, he, he, he noticed that on the boat during the celebration mm -hmm. of the Super Bowl, the, uh, the Buck celebration, he didn't have a, a metal knee brace, mm. he had like a sleeve. He's like the way that boats rock, you would think you would need something to kind of keep that yeah. that leg stable, that knee yeah. stable. So he's like, man, he felt like he was embellishing a little bit. I was like, man, come mm. on, man. 
Come on. But, I mean, he probably did have an injured MCL. I'm not doubting yeah. that. Yeah. You know, because obviously he needed surgery for something. But a tear... Man, okay, let the, let the man have his day. Let the man have yeah. his day. He can go. He can go. 42, 42. He, he, he right, has right. Whatever every he wants day. to say, whatever he wants to say, let him whatever say. Whatever line he wants to tell Super Bowl, let's, let's let him yeah, have he's it. He's the go. Yeah. Let's let him have it. By the way, real quick, before we, uh, I don't want to digress too much, but y'all saw Giannis yesterday? Oh, man. Giannis Ooh, looked good. Oh, man. Giannis looked good. Bro, Giannis, 50 right, we, man, we could have. We could literally have a, uh, an hour-long episode. Look. I've never seen a performance like that. Oh, don't, don't go that far. Oh, okay, don't go okay, that far. Okay. In the, in the right, closeout right. day? You're digressing. In the closeout day? Yeah, you're digressing. Think about the closeout day. Just think about it for a second. We'll, we'll move on. But All right. credit to Bucks, Milwaukee, Giannis. We're not, we're not this, hating. This wasn't on the list for news, but Aaron Rodgers' tweets in reference to Giannis throwing shots at his GM, relevant or irrelevant? I don't even know what you're talking about. Can you please yeah. update oh, like, us? Last night, Aaron Rodgers basically says, congratulations, Giannis. You know, that front office did a great job. The GM, named the GM, putting stars together, putting this team together, did a great job. All of us see it and extrapolate, hey, he's throwing <laughs> shots at his own GM. Reach. <laughs> reach. Reach. How, okay, all right, all right. Here's why reach. it's not a reach. How often when a guy wins a championship – do people say, "Hey, great uh, job, Jim"? Number, number one, he's an old, number one, he's, an, he's a partial he's a, he's owner a in the Bucks. Owner of the Bucks. He's okay, a, so okay. he has a relationship okay. with the front office, yeah. and I really yeah. think that's all it is, right there. Yeah. But 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 I hear all where right. you're coming from. You're trying to get that edge. Hey, yeah. Listen, stay ready. Listen, stay ready. I'm trying to stay ready, man. Listen, let's move on to probably the biggest story of this week: Cam Akers tears his Achilles. We see Henderson's ADP shoot up. I've seen it in the third round. I've also seen it about the fourth round as well. I don't want to talk about whether Cam Akers is relevant or irrelevant. We know that that's relevant. He was going, what, front end of the second round. That's a relevant he was going in the injury. first round at some point. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, obviously, right, obviously. right. But yeah. lately, early second. Front end of the back second. Yeah, right, right, to right, early right. second. Yeah. Right. So, relevant or irrelevant that. Henderson's ADP is going up. Let's talk about that, has to be that backfield yeah. in general. Yeah, that's, the, that's the essence of what we're doing. Yeah. It has to be relevant. Uh, no question. Now, now, where he's going, that's up for discussion. I don't know if I would like where in the third, he said, is what mm -hmm. you've been seeing. I don't know if I like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe more of the fourth. Maybe maybe more so the I mean, I don't know. I have to kind of process it a little bit. I think more so the fourth or fifth. Yeah. And I guess it really depends on who's going around him. But when you're saying the third, now you're saying he's jumping like, uh, Montgomery, Carson. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Are we really saying that about Darrell Henderson? That right. This is, yeah, so to me, this is a, this is a, a, a loaded question and a loaded discussion. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people have talked about where they view uh, Henderson. There's a lot to be determined. I don't necessarily want to dive into that too much. I see him like, you know, to me, he's a fifth-round pick. And the reason for that is I think that they're bringing someone in. So as a drafter right now, you have to really determine whether or not you believe the L.A. Rams are going to bring in another running back. Hmm. Okay, I don't see Daryl Henderson as a workhorse back or as a bell cow for sure. Okay, mm -hmm. definitely not a bell cow. And I don't see him as a workhorse back. I see him as potentially in my mind, base case, best case scenario, a lead RB in an RBBC and a running back hmm. by committee. So my worry is that they either bring someone in that can steal significant touches or 
worst case scenario, they trade for someone like a Melvin Gordon. You know? mm. So we've looked at their cap situation. Mm. I don't think they got enough draft capital to trade for him, but not, not anybody significant. Not anybody significant. But I, I guess it's all well, about the value. Yeah, but I consider Melvin Gordon significant. So if, the, if, if you know, this is a couple, and again, this is why this is like a, a tough decision because you have to ask yourself, do, does Denver see themselves as contenders? Because I think if they see themselves as contenders, they want depth at the running back position. They don't mm-hmm. want to just easily give up Melvin Gordon. And the next part of that question is, you know, are the L.A. Ram, number one, can they acquire Melvin Gordon's contract? And two, uh, is it something that they're willing to do? Does he fit their scheme? And I think, I think it would. I think, I think from the Ram standpoint, this is a Super Bowl contending team, okay? Mm-hmm. They are set up now. Not only are they set up now, they sold out. Okay, yeah, with yeah. Jalen Ramsey, with Matthew Stafford, they got Aaron Donald in his prime. This line is coming around. They bring in Deshaun Jackson. You know, they they are set up to win now. They yeah. know it. They're, They're aware of that. Yeah. So the idea that they're going to go in the season with Daryl Henderson, Daryl Henderson. Okay, that's not is even talking. Daryl Darrell. Dar- let's say D D Henderson. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. one of the two. Yeah, it's one right, of the two. Right, right. Yeah. I've been calling him yeah, Daryl, yeah. but yeah, yeah. That's not, even, that's not even get into the discussion in terms of how good he is and, and what his deficiencies are, okay? Just look at his track record for staying healthy, mm-hmm. okay? Not from a standpoint of, it, of if he's injury prone, but just from a standpoint from the Rams front office and the Rams coaching staffs. Can we rely on this guy for an additional game this year, 17 games yeah. in through the playoffs? Do we want to rely on this guy? Even right. the most healthiest back. I think a, a championship team is going to understand that they want to have depth at that position. And right now, the depth behind them, I think most of you guys will agree with me. I'm going to let Dale talk in on the dynasty aspect of it. But they're a bunch of Jags. And, mm-hmm. not, and not only aren't even Jags. Yeah. You know, they're special teams players. So I think they're going to have to bring in someone regardless. So if they bring in someone who takes in between the 20s work, mm-hmm. early down work, or at least splits that role a little bit, Daryl Henderson still has value. To me, that's where his upside is. Fifth. Maybe back into the fourth. It depends on kind of how you start. But if they bring in someone like a Melvin Gordon who can play third down or someone who can take goal line work, you know, if you bring in an Adrian Peterson, you know, maybe he takes goal line work. You bring right. in a Le'Veon Bell, maybe he takes some, you know, some third down work. So th- there's just a lot in play there that makes it very tough. So he's already, you know, a, a question mark as far as, you know, mm-hmm. you know, what is this Rams backfield going to look like week one? And then Again, from, a, from just a, an actual talent standpoint, I don't think they view him as a workhorse and definitely not a bell, call, bell cow back. So for me to be able to reach to the third round to take him with the limited upside, for me, that is too high. And let's not just touch the surface there because I feel like in the group chat, we kind of talked about why, or you talked about why you don't believe Daryl Hen- Henderson is that bell cow running back. Yeah. Let's kind of touch on that for a second. So at no point did we ever see him just sort of kind of take on a full workload. Even when Cam Akers was hurt, we never just saw them just give a full workload to Darrell Henderson. It was only really, I think, when Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers were out. He was always getting like 30 to 40% of the workload. And then when Cam Akers was healthy, as soon as he was, and remember, he was, I think he, was, he had a rib injury at first, and then mm-hmm. towards the end he had an ankle. But a rib injury is significant. That's a pain tolerance thing. You can't just go in and just get past it. So they kind of worked him back in. But once Akers was healthy, he saw the majority of the work. And then mm. they trusted Cam Akers with a third down work. And if we just listened to a lot of the offseason 
call it fluff or call it whatever you want. But if we listen to all the chitter chatter, is that a word? Chitter chatter, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay, is. yeah, chitter chatter throughout the off season, you know, to me, they were always talking about okay, Cam Akers is, you know, is, is really, you know, learning how to, how to pass block. He's really, lear- you know, uh, learning about, you know, uh, how to be a three-down back. He's really, you know, you know, uh, you know it sounded like the, the Rams running back coach was really kind of taking him under his mm-hmm. wings. And then Sean McVay was also saying, you know, things like there's nothing that he can't do. The sky's the limit, et cetera. All the, you know, all the talk was centered around Cam Akers. I think both the – from what I g- gleaned from the, you know, quotes from the organization – and the coaching staff, as well as from the beat writers, I don't think there was a question that Cam Akers was going to be the guy. You know, I got you. I and got they you. drafted. Remember, they drafted Daryl Henderson mm-hmm. <laughs> in the Daryl Henderson <laughs> in the third round in 2019. Okay, so yes, they saw something there. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I think they saw something with Gurley as well, obviously. But he didn't really do anything throughout his 2019 season. Call it, you know. Uh, injury, you know, you know, issues with injuries, uh, or whether you know he, I know he had a lot of issues, sort of kind of learning, uh, you know, their 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 running scheme and learning the offense, mm-hmm. uh, but he didn't get a lot of run. But they saw him every single day, in practice mm-hmm. and on the field, and they felt a need in 2020 with their first pick. I know it wasn't a first round, but they didn't have a first round. But with their mm-hmm. first pick, to take another running back. So let's talk about that for a second. Dale, you're our dynasty guru. This not only has in like like ramifications for redraft leagues, let's talk about dynasty as well. We haven't talked about dynasty enough. What ramifications does this have on dynasty? Okay, before I get to that, let's rewind. Let's talk about everything that Abby was just stating because I need to put some things in context. He's right. There was a point last season where Akers got a lot of burn, the most burn in the backfield. But I don't want us to misremember, if that's a word, the fact that that was around the exact same time Henderson also got hurt. Um, Henderson had a knee injury in week 13 that I do recall lingering for pretty much the rest of the season. Then he actually had a, was it an ankle injury or or some kind of, uh, foot or some kind of injury um, in week 16, which ended up putting him on IR. So it's like when Akers was healthy, Henderson got hurt. And when when Akers was hurt, Henderson was, was healthy. So it was weird. I think there was only a few games where they were all three were active because I even think Malcolm Brown at some point had an, an injury issue. Um, and I don't really think there was ever a point where all three were just truly healthy, healthy. I think it was one thing. No, no, no. I'll let you talk. Okay. Let's get past that. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I don't get a rebuttal. Okay. Yeah. No, you're going to get your rebuttal, but let me let me get my everything out. So then okay. you are the third round pick. They did draft him in the third round 2019. Dar- Darrell Henderson. I don't know what to say. Darrell Henderson, I'll say like y'all have been saying. Uh, that 2019 draft actually is one of my favorite running back prospects in that draft. Uh, I watched his his tape at Memphis, and it's funny because when I, when I told people this at the time, I was like, man – this is one of the first or only highlight tapes I've ever seen where every single highlight was him taking it to the house. Like, hmm. every single – it was – like, you know, you see some other highlights. It's a great run. He get tackled, pushed out of bounds, or, you know, just something flashy. I don't think I've ever seen a highlight tape where every single play was a touchdown run. And hmm. 
he wasn't grinding through the hole or anything. He was he had a good holes made for him. Um, but I was still like, wow, this is kind of impressive. That's the year at Memphis where he was actually the starter over Pollard, Tony Pollard, mm-hmm. the Cowboys back or running back, who was also pretty talented. Um, and I don't want us to also, and I don't know if I mentioned this, but if I didn't, they traded up for Darrell Henderson. You know, mm-hmm. there's somebody that they felt like they needed to to move up in the draft. I don't know what the trade was for. I don't know if they gave up draft capital or draft assets or a player or something, but they felt like, hey, we need to move up in this draft to secure this player's services. Um, so to me, when I see things like that, especially in, in my in my dy- dynasty lens, I look at that as this is a player the, the team coveted at the time. I don't know what happened after that. I don't know what happened prior to that. But that day, draft day, they felt like they needed to make a move to get him. The next year, they did get Akers. Um, Akers, and, you know, they used significant draft capital in, this, in the aspect that it was their only, well, their first pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, mid to back end, second round pick. Um, but, I, I, again, I'm, I'm assuming here nobody really knows. I haven't seen a quote or an interview. But for me... They didn't trade up to get Akers. I, I do feel like Akers kind of fell to them. It, I, hmm. I look at it more of a luxury pick. Akers was one of the highly touted running backs in last year's draft. <laughs> um, and, you know, with that talent, all the, most of the other running backs, I think A.J. Dillon was the only one that hadn't gone by then. But all the other talented running backs had been gone then. So, I mean, I'm one of those people that I believe, man, talent is talent, no matter who you got. You know, mm-hmm. if you see talent on the board and you know they can help your team, even if you have somebody that's an incumbent that you like, if you see somebody that's better, go get your guy. Um, I do believe Akers was a superior talent, and I do believe they felt like he was going to be the guy this year, like okay. a three-down back. Mm-hmm. Um, I do see Henderson as going to be more of a depth piece, a utilized depth piece. Like we said before, yeah. teams ain't really having true workhorse backs. Yeah. It's always going to be some form of committee. Yeah. Um, and Henderson was going to get his, his piece of the pie. Yeah. Nobody, nobody argued that. You can even see in drafts prior to the, the Acres right. news, yeah. Henderson was being drafted anywhere between, what, 7 to Yeah, and, I, and I've, I've, seen, I've seen some pieces regarding uh, you know, the idea that they were thinking about involving Henderson more in the passing game role. Yeah, that's something possibly. that he did well I, in, in People in, lately, in and we, yeah. we purposely didn't want to talk about Acres because we felt like there was a time yeah. everybody was talking about Acres. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's kind of irrelevant now if we would have done it, but there was a time where we were seeing people put a little bit of water on the Acres height yeah. for whatever reason. I didn't really yeah. dive into the to the the, the statistics or the reasoning, but yeah. I do know it's valid reasons. Yeah. So, um, but again, that's water under the bridge yeah. now. Uh, I do want to point out the fact that once they lost Malcolm Brown and going to the season, so as of last week, they were considered one of the youngest backfields in the NFL going to this, mm-hmm. to this season. Mm-hmm. Again, Henderson was drafted in 2019. Yeah. He was their most experienced running back on their roster. It's insane. <laughs> and this crazy. is him going into yeah. his third year. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that was the most the, the second most experienced was Akers. Yeah. He was a rookie last year. Yeah. Um well I guess you could say he shared that and you know we could talk a little dynasty. They also have a few other running backs that um Again, I'm in Dynasty, so a lot of waivers tend to be running my Dynasty leagues on Wednesdays. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people were aware of these players, and they were picking them up. You have your your Xavier Jones, who okay. was actually an undrafted running back from SMU. Talk about funky. Yeah, Talk we'll, about we'll get my to, man we'll get to him. funky. We'll get to him. <laughs> Xavier Jones, who's an undrafted running back from SMU um, yeah. out here in Dallas. 
uh, last year. So he came in the same year as Akers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they have Raymond Calais, yeah. mm-hmm. who also is an undrafted guy. Special teams. Yeah. He yeah. wasn't really hyped up too yeah. much. Mm-hmm. Nobody really um, paid attention to what he's doing. Yeah. They drafted a guy this year um, in the seventh round, a white boy named Jake Funk. Mm-hmm. Jacob or Jason Funk. Caucasian. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, I'm sorry, Caucasian. Respect all here. Yeah, uh, I don't even remember what school he went to. Uh, do you uh, know? New Mexico, Maryland. Maybe? Maryland. Yeah, Maryland, Maryland, Maryland. Um, the Terps. Mm-hmm. So um, he was pretty, I, I watched his tape. He mm-hmm. was producing, but his style was not my preference. He, I, I felt like I was looking at like a, a young, smaller Peyton Hillis. You know, that's exactly that's a great comparison. No, so you got you got to come up with someone because yeah. Peyton Hillis is white and Caucasian. Right. I know that to I me know. seems a little. I know, but did you just like not right? right. <laughs> but did but you like watch not him? Very shifty no, I didn't. north and south. Okay, Chris, you watched him. Yeah, was he Peyton Hillis to you? No, he was Peyton Hillis. No. He was. He is, okay, he's a very north and south runner. But, but you're but right. I don't. You're right. I hear you. Wait, wait, no, no, no. Those comparisons. First of all, first of all, first of all, first of all, I love Peyton Hillis. Peyton Hillis, I think, won me my first championship. No, Peyton Hillis was cold. Peyton Hillis won me my first championship. Oh, my God. I love Peyton Hillis. He's the only reason. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I'm not knocking Jake Funk because, like like he was saying, tell you about Funky. Funk is actually my favorite guy in the whole backfield. But no, the only reason that I'm saying that is because I feel like that's disrespect to Peyton Hillis. Not that I think Funk is terrible, but I was not all that impressed, okay? You know, I'll, well, you turn we'll, on the we'll, Maryland we'll, we'll film. Let you, from, we'll, we'll let you get to how you okay, feel okay, about okay, okay, Let okay. me finish. Yeah. Um, and then also, they signed uh, a rookie, I think like a week ago, mm-hmm. Otis Anderson. Maybe the son of the New York Giants. Yeah. Running back from back in the small day. Small guy. Mm-hmm. Small. 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 5'10", under 200 pounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, special teams, um, scat back type guy. So mm-hmm. he's not a real threat to the backfield. So who's your favorite out of all of them? <sighs> it's Funk. To me, and, uh, and, and, and there's a, a few reasons why. Again, that north-south running style. Mm-hmm. He's a no-nonsense runner. Mm-hmm. He's the type of guy where you give him the ball, he's not gonna shake. He's gonna, he's gonna get between the tackles. He's gonna runner. get what's you, there. I, I had, I had the perfect comp. Okay, oh. and this makes a hundred percent. Remember the Rams Super Bowl year when mm-hmm. Gurley started to break down. Mm-hmm. Who did this team call off of their couch? Oh, man. C.J. Anderson. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's he reminds me a lot yeah, of C.J. Anderson. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I can see, yeah. so like, yes, I think. I can I, see that. Yeah. So, yeah. You know what? They yeah. probably see him like that, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, we see, we, I mean, we've heard, we heard the beat writer, uh, uh, I think her name is uh, Jordan Rodriguez. He's memorizing beat writer. That's what's up. <laughs> oh, she, I mean, she's excellent. She's, she's absolutely excellent. So yeah. I'm not discrediting anything that she says, but she reports that she's going to report. But she basically alluded to, like, look, and it's, a, and it's a valid point. We have an entire training camp, but we have preseason games. They may just decide to see how this group does, mm-hmm. and if they feel comfortable, roll with this That's actually what I was going to say squad. as well. Um, before I, I, mean, I don't agree with I, that, but... I, I do think there is a chance that they might say, you yeah. know what, we're just going to go with what we yeah. have, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I don't want to just ignore that yeah. as an option out yeah. there because, and I said this in our group chat, Akers himself has not been known for his health. He's had injury. I mean, we talked about it last yeah. year. Yeah. He had injury going into the season, and he yeah. had injury. I think he had an injury at the end of the season, too, or even yeah, in the playoffs. He played through a high ankle sprain. You know, yeah. so they went in knowing Akers had injury issues. Henderson, Henderson I think, is hurting now. He is hurting like, now. I don't, he's I don't questionable think he's for now. sure for the start yeah. of the season. <laughs> yeah. you know? We don't know what his injury yeah. is right now. And yeah. then you have all these undrafted guys, and then you have the seventh rounder, and they were still like, you know what? This is who we're going to training camp with. Yeah. yeah. 
so a few ways you can take that. Number one, again, they feel confident and they're just going to roll with what they have. Yeah. And that's the way we're looking at it now. But I also want to, on the side, looking at maybe they saying, hey, Stafford, it's, it's your it's, it's your And that's the main thing, point. You know, so, Stafford, let's do your thing, you know? Yeah. So a couple of different things, yeah. One, this is an organization that has shown us that they are comfortable pulling somebody right off the couch, which mm-hmm. means... To your point, they may just say, let's roll and see what, what we got, okay? Mm-hmm. If, we're no, if we don't like what we have, then we'll call Adrian Peterson off the couch. Yeah. We'll call Le'Veon Bell off the couch. Yeah. Duke we'll Johnson. We'll call Duke, Duke Johnson. Yeah. Duke Johnson Duke would Johnson be the preferred. right there. Right, he would be right. the preferred option in my you mind. Uh, the other thing, too, is that this is an organization that's shown us they don't care about draft picks. Right. And they're right, in win right. mode now. Those right. draft picks now. aren't important. Right. Yeah. The crazy Running backs they, aren't expensive they, right they now. They can't even trade more first-round picks yeah. because they've traded the maximum yeah. they would allow them to trade. Yeah. They have mm-hmm. to wait till yeah. next year to trade the next yeah. first-round So they pick, got second-round so. picks. So, and running backs aren't that expensive right now. So that's a, you know, that, this is, an, again, an organization that just may trade for someone. I've thrown out Kareem Hunt. I know it's unlikely. To me, it makes all the sense in the world. If, you're, if you want to win a championship right now, I know what? you said for you know Cleveland they want to keep the depth. Well, why but would Cleveland give up Kareem? Because they got Chubb. I don't think they would give okay, him I know. Yeah, I know. but I'm Chubb. not gonna go. I'm That's kind of wishful thinking. Right, right, right. right. But, but one thing I do want to also mention, you were talking about the fact that they picked Acres in the second last yeah. year with Henderson on the squad. This year in the second, they picked up Tutu Atwell, who's a small little, like smaller than Deshaun yeah, special Jackson team, special wide receiver. Gadget mm-hmm. That was their first pick in the draft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they don't really have a a good. Um, history of their draft picks being very useful for their team. Right. I'm not saying Akers wasn't useful, yeah. but just because they picked Akers in the second... I see you trying to throw a little shot. Yeah, you know, <laughs> okay. that's all I'm saying. Okay, that's that's all point. I'm saying. Let's wait, 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 wait. One last mm-hmm. point. One last point. Because I think, you know, I think, you know, and we didn't want to go too deep into the Akers thing we did, but it's important to cover. But really, I mean, I think the people that benefit the most are Stafford. Yeah. Robert mm-hmm. Woods. Yeah, yeah. Cup. Yes. Higby. Man, those I guys, love that, those shit, guys' man. ADPs to me are shit, higher. Man. Stafford's ADP to me right now is in the realm of wherever you were drafting Tom Brady. Hmm. Think about drafting Stafford higher. Yeah, because we know he's not going to produce with his legs. But you can't tell me that he can't have a Jared Goff type year. That year where he threw for oh, he forty could definitely have. A, he, he could, could absolutely have a destroy. And and, and, and do we remember why Jared Goff had that type of season? I think it's because they were concerned about Gurley's knees. Mm-hmm. I think that was the, I think that was a season mm-hmm. where Gurley was having issues, uh, or at least they saw you know started kind of seeing the downturn. Yeah. But I think you know for for me I think all of the pat all of the uh, Rams uh, uh, pass receivers and don't forget about my boy Jacob Harris. He's in there too. Jacob yeah. Harris, yeah. maybe yeah. more so, opportunities for so Harris. That's, that's the main takeaway. That's yeah. the main takeaway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got you. Right. And let's talk about Zach Ertz. Apparently. He's not being traded. It seems like the rumor that's going around is that he's going to stay in Philadelphia. Is that relevant or irrelevant? Irrelevant. We don't know if he's going to be traded. He may get traded tomorrow. Okay. These are all just rumors. Um, I think, you know, we saw last year that he had, uh, he lost a significant amount of uh, just his overall just athleticism. I mean, we saw him, I don't want to say he fell off a cliff. Okay, mm-hmm. he's never really been like a high A dot guy, mm-hmm. you know, a stre- you know, uh, a speedster, uh, you know, someone who just kind of won on his athleticism. I think he was more of a technician. He ran, he won on route, he's like a young route Jason winning. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. He knew how to kind of how to box people out. You yeah. know, he was he was very smart and intellectual with his game. Uh, but 
I think this team sees Goddard as that key piece. And I think this is a tight end friend, friendly offense. And yeah, that, the guy that was beeped out last <laughs> a few episodes ago. <laughs> now we're he, he, he was high on Goddard. Yeah. But what's yeah. the way? I, I, but he's, he's a pro. I think he's like a, you know, he's kind of appropriately priced. But I mean, I, mean, yeah. I, I love If I can get Dallas Goddard in the six, you know, it's hard to not take Lamar over. Dallas Goddard, okay, I, you know, anytime I see Lamar in the sixth round, I just, you know, it's almost like, you know, lock button, right. yeah. uh, you know, draft, but I love Dallas Goddard. So, wait, but but I do think it's, it's relevant to some extent, and the reason why I think it's relevant is because I think at the moment, the way people value Goddard is they value him with the assumption Ertz will be gone. I, I think that's kind of been priced into his ADP at the moment. If Ertz stays... And for me, I think if Earth ends up staying, and when, when this report comes out or came out, I didn't really look at it as Ertz is going to be with the Eagles all season long. Yeah. I looked at it as there's a potential Ertz will start the season with the Eagles, mm -hmm. but they're still looking to move him. You know, so yeah. I don't even think it's a long term yeah. thing at the moment. Yeah. But again, we get, you know we don't know what's going to yeah. happen. You know. And this is the reason I'm high on uh, Goddard is not because I'm like, oh, Ertz is going to be gone increased targets. That's not how I view vacated targets. Hmm. I view vacated targets as somebody's going to come in and fill that spot to some degree. The the amount, you know, the percentage of which but they're what, able to... But what's vacated? Who left? I'm saying if if if, if Ertz were to leave, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. would not assume that Goddard's, Goddard just gets all of all those targets. targets. Okay. That's okay. not how I view it. I view Goddard as... You believe he has Eric, standalone value. I, he has... I think he is Eric, the Eric Ebron from 2019. Okay. Okay. But 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 with I, with the potential to also have significant amount of reception work with it. I or, got you. you know, so I uh, got. You. But but I just still think the way he's being priced now is he's being priced with he's the too, assumption he's too that low. Ertz will will be gone. And, and if Ertz stays, and I always say, no matter how we think of a player's talent or their abilities or mm -hmm. what they have left in the in the tank. Yeah. All that matters is what the coaches think. And yeah. if the coaches feel like Ertz is the veteran, the, the older veteran, the guy that they feel like they can trust for whatever reason, and they want to play this guy. Because I had Ertz on, on some of my teams last year. Again, I think he became more of a Jason Witten. So it wasn't about him being athletic, but he just wasn't getting the type of targets that I was accustomed targets, to see yeah. Ertz get, especially with Goddard being gone. They started using the other guy. Um, the tight end. He was like a waiver wire darling one year. I don't. I don't remember his name. Um, but he had like a good two or three weeks where that was during. That was that was when one of them was injured. Yeah, it was. Got, uh, it was a uh, Goddard. Goddard yeah. was hurt. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. The other guy was getting all this work. So yeah. it and, was they, crazy and they they like, they resigned they they re, they resigned him. Uh, and I think uh, and that's and that's who I see kind of feeling that fill, filling that void. If but, Ertz is moved. If Ertz is moved. Yeah. But I, I honestly just see. I just see. I look at this team. I see, you know, I like I like Devontae, uh, Devontae uh, Smith, but I see this team is just having really no red zone threat whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mm. see two. Yeah. I see an offensive coordinator and a head coach who come from systems that really value the tight end, and especially especially coming from Indy yeah. in the red zone. Yeah, yeah no, you're right. They're, they're they target their tight, their tight end ends. Uh, I look. I'll, I'll say this on tape right now. I strongly believe that Dallas Goddard, <laughs> <Okay>. regardless <laughs> of what happens to Ertz, will outscore T.J. Hawkinson. 
Ooh. I'll take that bit. I'll take <laughs> that bit. That ain't going there. I'll take that bit. Okay. Man. I will take that bit. Alright. So let's talk about the Detroit Lions for a second. When we think about the trade between the LA Rams and the Detroit Lions, we often consider that a LA Rams trade, and then we have a beeline to talking about the LA Rams. Let's talk about the Detroit Lions for a second. Yeah. They're still an NFL franchise. Somebody has to score touchdowns. Somebody has to catch passes. Who's the pass catcher to own in that offense? Okay, I'll take this. Because I definitely did want to talk about this for a while. Um, I think everybody just totally ignoring the line. And I get it. They're ignoring the lines because the fantasy production or what we expect to get out of that offense isn't very promising. Disrespectful. So, so, so I get it. But I think when people look at fantasy, they, they're so caught up in the high end or the obvious choices mm-hmm. that they kind of just forget that the other choices also score points. They're also going to play football games. They're going to roll their offense out there. They're going to score touchdowns. And somebody's going to score these touchdowns for them. So I, I, I don't think we should just totally ignore every team like that because you can find goodness in, in weird places. Um, so when we look at the Lambs, I mean the Lions, I'll say the Lambs. The Lions and the Rams together. But, <laughs> That's but, exactly what they are. <laughs> but when we talk about the Lions, I mean – when people think about their wide receivers, I don't really think people really really grasp their their hierarchy as far as how the wide receivers are. And I think it's a lot to do with the fact it's still kind of ambiguous right now. So I get it. Easy, but, ju- easy just to say, let somebody else have it. Yeah, but, but they, we do kind of know what's going on there. You know, I, I do think we can kind of see the moves they made, how they made it, and kind of kind of end up in some certain assumptions. Number one being, I think their number one wide receiver is Tyrell Williams, okay? In drafts, I think there was a time, and I still think there's a time now where people think Brashard Perriman is the number one wide receiver, and I get it. You know, he's the flashier guy. He's the guy that was drafted in the first round not too long ago by the Ravens. You know, he's the one that, as of recent, we've seen him produce. Last year's with the Jets. Didn't produce much. He was injured, but he produced a little bit with the Jets. The year before that, he produced with the Buccaneers. Yeah, he finished strong that, with the Buccaneers. Yeah, he finished really strong with the Browns yeah. the year prior to that. Yeah. So people recall those those flashy moments and say, yeah. that's the guy. But the mm-hmm. reason why I say Tyrell Williams is the guy is because, I mean, simply they paid him more. They, they mm-hmm. gave both of them similar type of contracts, and they paid one more than the other. That's simple. I mean, they basically told us who they value more in – in, in, on the team, Tyrell Williams was the top free agent signing for the Raiders last year. I think they kind of hoped he would come in and be their main wide receiver. Now, remember, Tyrell Williams got hurt all season. Yeah. He didn't play, I don't think, one down. So we, we, we didn't even get to see him. And when you don't see a guy for a season, especially if he's not a big, flashy name, you kind of forget about him. Mm-hmm. You know, they had all these other guys produce Nelson Aguilar. Um, um, they drafted Ruggs and, you know, Brian Edwards was there. So everybody was just like, Tyrell, oh, yeah, I forgot he even played in the league. The year prior to that, he was actually with the Chargers. And he's had some good seasons with the Chargers. You know, he, he, that's actually where he got the, the resume to actually go to the Raiders and come in to get looked at as a potential number one receiver. Yeah. So don't forget that. And I do want to point out one thing. The offensive coordinator for the Lions right now was the head coach for the Chargers 
when Terrell Williams was doing his thing. Continuity. Mm. You know, so don't don't ignore that connection right there. So again, they paid this guy. Number two, I do think it's Perriman. I do think Perriman is the number two wide receiver. The problem I see is I think they're being drafted. They're, they're flipped as far as where they're being drafted. Um, Brashard Perriman, if you look at the stats, he hasn't produced as much as Terrell Williams has. Um, he's more of a down-the-field field stretcher. He's fast. You know, yeah. I think he ran a 4-3 in the, in the combine. Um, so, he's known as one of those speedy guys. A little bit of size. Not big, but I think he's like 6'2", 6'3", um, but can get down the field. I don't know too much about his other um, route tree options. I don't know if he's too good at slants or anything like that. Um, but he's a burner. The other guys they have, they have a, a guy that's going into his second year that was drafted late last year. Fifth round, I think. Quentin Cephas. Who, Cephas. Cephas, yeah. yeah. Who they're no Everybody's one, forgetting about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, again, and he, was he, was, the, he was that late-round darling yeah, last yeah. year. <laughs> and I think the part of the reason they even drafted him is because their number one pick last year, Jeff Okuda, Okuda, Yeah, he said during his combine interviews that the most difficult cover he had in his college career or last season was Cephas. Cephas. Or Cephas. I keep I mean, See, but like, here's my thing. This is only my second year No, 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 no. I'm going, I'm going back to you for a second. Okay. Who is the first Detroit Lions receiver you're taking on your boards? Terrell Williams. I said that the number one wide receiver. And so if Terrell Williams, so you believe. But he's not the first Lions wide receiver being drafted right now. I haven't even gotten to that guy yet. Well, the first been. wide receiver that I've been seeing being drafted on the Lions roster is the rookie from USC, Amon uh, Ross St. Brown. Brown. The, oh, that's the right. brother yeah, 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 yeah. of Equinemus from the uh, the Packers. Mm-hmm. Equinemius. Uh, mm-hmm. Damn, I'm messing up everybody's name. <laughs> these, are some, these are some tough names. Equinemius. I know. We got you used to like uh, medical terms. Yeah. 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 I mean, their dad, you know, their dad was like Mr. All Universe. All their brothers have kind of yeah. interesting yeah. names yeah. like that. That's kind of yeah. the yeah. thing yeah. to do. Yeah. But everybody's drafting him high because he has, in college, he was a flashier guy. At USC, I think he was the number one wide receiver yeah. they had last year. Yeah. So everybody remembers how, how talented he was there. And he's a talented guy. He's but the receiver. problem I have with – he was drafted in the fourth round. He's a slot mm. receiver. You know, yeah, he's a small guy. I mean, he's not tiny, Yeah. but he's not he, – he's a slot guy. You yeah. know, that's where he kind of profiles. Yeah. And I feel like if they really believed in this guy, they wouldn't have waited that long. And other teams would have probably saw him as far as being talented. Now, another guy they do have <clears throat> is another rookie um, – I don't even remember this rookie's name. Um, another flashy kick returner type guy. Um, so, you know, they got all these jags. Mm-hmm. But the guys they have that is the most experienced, that's produced the most, and, again, that's being paid the most, is Tyrell Williams. And I was looking at practice reports. Apparently, he's looked pretty good. Now, of course, yeah. practice reports, we call those fluff. They, you know, they can embellish a little bit. But what do we always say? We always want to at least see that he's it's not positive. doing bad, yeah. you know. And I think I even saw a report where Perriman yeah. was still struggling a little bit. He's getting some negative You know, so reports. he's getting that bad report. Yeah. Mm. Don't ignore Terrell Williams. I mean, he's going yeah. so late. Almost undrafted in some draft. I would say, so. like, you know, this is a kind of a cop-out, but, like, perfect best ball. And not yeah, even yeah, perfect yeah. best ball, yeah. but, like, if you go, like, running back heavy and you're trying to, you know, find a wide receiver at the end of a draft, like a deep, you know, a sort of kind of a deep roster draft, I think he's definitely someone to look at. I'll kind of piggyback off of that. I'm not completely out on Brashad Perriman just yet. Uh, you know, there's one game in particular uh, where he played the Houston Texans in 2019. So, if you want to get a the, sense. With the Bucks. Yeah, when he was with the Bucks, If you want to get just a sense of his ceiling – you know, what he oh, potentially yeah. could be. Mm-hmm. That is a great game to watch 
uh, because he was the number one wide receiver. There was no Godwin at that time. Uh, Mike Evans was injured. He was the number was one Godwin guy. Was Godwin hurt too? Hmm. Yeah, he he was the he so was the number the only one. Guy. He was, so yeah, he was forced into being the number one wide receiver. Yeah, okay. And remember, yeah, he was he had some injury issues with the Jets, and we just know how dysfunctional that was. So I almost yeah. like just throw out that year with the Jets. But he had a game or two last year. With yeah. The Jets. But if you watch that game, that gives you a sense that he was not just this you know nine route deep you know deep threat guy. He ran a lot of intermediate routes. He ran some comeback routes. He looked like a true positional, a positional receiver, a true X type receiver, and a go to guy. Though, I know it was against the Texans, but what I'm all I'm saying, <laughs> all I'm saying is was trash. all I'm saying. But these weren't the type of catches where he was just running wide open. These were exactly. contested catches. These were catches on the sideline. All I'm saying is, yeah. go let your eyes see what the potential, what the ceiling could be for Brashad yeah. Perry. But I do agree. Season, though, right? This was at the end of the season. But I do agree. You know, if I had to pick one. Based off of, you know, the contract, I think it's a big thing. Based mm-hmm. off of both these players, sort of kind of what they've done in the NFL. Right. And, and Tyrell I, Williams also has some deep threat yeah. ability to him yeah. as well. But mm-hmm. I think the connection with uh, Amonse Brown is, uh, or, or why people are drafting him higher is, you know, they see Jared Goff, someone who's traditionally thrown to the slot receiver. And my... And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really big on this. I think, you know, you got to approach each situation differently. Yeah, that's obvious, and we preach that on this podcast, but... I don't necessarily know that this is an offense that is going to be like running out three wide receiver sets and that's going to be, you know, uh, trying to get their slot receiver the, the ball. Remember, that was a Sean McVay, McVay offense. And yes, Cup, Cooper Cup was the slot receiver in I'm that offense. This year, but Cooper Cup was schemed open yeah. and he was schemed open against zone defense. He dominated zone defenses, but he struggles against man to man and separation. The good thing, though, with Cooper Cup is that he sees a lot of zone defenses, and he's schemed mm-hmm. open in those zone defenses. So you don't know that that same thing is going to happen for the slot receiver with the Detroit Lions. Right. That is, there's too many variables, too many things that have been introduced, okay, in, into that pot for you to draw that correlation, in my opinion. And he's a fourth round rookie, right. so I, you know, I'm, I'm not even thinking about. Well, well, even, even if they don't use three wide receiver sets, and I, I agree, I, I don't think they will, especially with the yeah. type of coach they have, Dan Campbell. You know, he looks at. He's more of like a hard nose, you know. In the trenches. In the trenches type yeah. player. But that kind of brings you to the guy I do like the most as far as their pass catchers, which is, and we mentioned it just a second ago, TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. I do love him. TJ Hawkinson, Man. he's a player that's most likely not going to lead the field. Yeah. I mean, if they're running the ball, he's going to be on the field. Yeah. They're throwing the ball. Right now, I would say he's probably the most talented um, pass catcher. I would you know? say I, that I, I that I just like I can't go that far. Who's their most I talented think, if it's not Hawkinson? It, other, other it's than- any of the receivers. Any of the receivers. Okay. I think I think I think TJ Hawkinson's pass catching ability as an overall tight end. Yeah. He is an excellent prospect. He is an excellent. So tight you don't end. think he has good pass but catching? I'm not ability. saying he doesn't have good, but I think people are talking about it in the sense that like because they want him to be because we see the you know this ascension. Yes, he may ascend to that, but I don't watch TJ Hawkinson film and think, oh, this guy is just Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller, or he's a receiver playing tight end. I don't see that whatsoever. Like, not even close. I, I, I think I see a little Kittle, actually, but but if you don't see, I get it. I don't even see I, the Kittle I, aspect. I, 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 I do, and I, I do think they're going to utilize him yeah. a lot this year. I think and they may. They may. I, I think he's going to have a great season this year. I do think he's the most talented receiver on their team. Again, I don't think he's going to come off the field. And one thing we haven't mentioned is we do expect them to be a a, a bad team this year, yeah. which means they're probably going to be losing a lot of games, which means 
second half yeah. of games are probably going to be throwing a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's going to get those yeah. garbage time, yeah. which is still points. So, so for me, it's DeAndre Swift, DeAndre Swift, DeAndre Swift, especially with him going in the third round right now. <laughs> so Jamal Williams is nothing? It's not that Jamal Williams is nothing. It's the, that exact you know, fact that you alluded to, the fact that they're going to be losing a lot of games. Mm-hmm. This is a bad defense, okay? You know, we talked about kind of ranking defenses and strength of schedule and that it's, it's, it's really hard to kind of put somebody in that bad pile. For me, it's not that hard with the Detroit Lions defense. Mm-hmm. You can always be wrong. But to me, at the very – at their ceiling, they're going to be average. I don't see them excelling, but they're going to be in a lot of negative game scripts. I agree. So that is like two to three receptions in the fourth quarter – Almost just kind of baked into DeAndre Swift's, you know, season in totals. I got you. So, for me. So, you think he's going to have the most receptions this season out of all the Lions? I don't know if he's going to have the most. It may be close, but I, I don't think it's TJ Hawkinson. I think people are just kind of giving it to him. Yes, he's the incumbent, so but it's think, a different system. So, if you don't think Swift is going to have the most, but you think he's going to have more than Hawkinson, you think Hawkinson is not going to have I think it's going to be one of the receivers, to be so, quite so honest. So, you, you think Hawkinson at the most, his best case scenario is third in reception this season? Second or third. I don't want to make but any hard questions. But you just said he's going to have less than Swift. But y'all said Swift might not be the first. That, that'll be tough. Okay, I think it'll be tough for Swift to have that many catches. It, 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 a lot will depend. So first, before, before I get to that point, okay. let me first talk about okay, what I think this offense is going to look like. Okay. I think this is going to be a run, 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 run offense. I agree. I think even when they are losing, they're probably going to still try to run to some degree that so that stupid. they don't lose as much. No Anthony Lynn slander on this podcast, but dot, 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 dot. Okay? So, I think a lot of people are kind of looking, oh, okay, Anthony Lynn was with the uh, Chargers. Uh, Let's take what they did with the Chargers and extrapolate that or transfer that over to the Detroit Lions. I actually don't think that that's the case. I don't think that Anthony Lynn, he may have had some say-so in the offense, but I don't think that he designed the offense, and I definitely don't think that he did any of the play calling in that offense. I think he kind of dictated certain things and dictated, okay, we, I, you know, I want us to focus on the run and made some bad calls and bad decisions. Again, no Anthony Slander. He made some horrible, okay. Yeah, no Anthony no Slander. No Anthony Slander. Slander horrible not call, back, uh, wink, right, wink, right. okay, quotations. Retract that from the yeah. statement. <laughs> yeah, but uh, call, have to though. beat that out. Yeah, beat that out. But, <laughs> but what I want to do there's one time in his career where he called plays, where he was an offensive coordinator and he called offensive plays, and that was with his time Buffalo. with the Buffalo Bills, with Tyrod Taylor, LaShawn mm-hmm. McCoy. Uh, so what I would say is go back to that year, go back and look at those stats, mm-hmm. and you'll see that they were very, very run heavy. Now, granted, Tyrod Taylor is a very different quarterback than Jared Goff, but even in that year, we saw LaShawn, LaShawn McCoy get a significant amount of targets, and receptions. I want to say he got anywhere from 50 to 60 receptions. Uh, but that's a running quarterback that was sort of kind of – I don't want to say he was in his prime because I don't know what Tyrell's yeah, prime was, is. He but he was seasons. younger. He yeah, that was one of his best seasons, deals. right? Yeah. So if that, and we know that running quarterbacks don't really like to dump it down. What is Jared Goff? What is Jared Goff? Jared Goff is, one of the, is an immobile quarterback, okay? Yes, they have a great offensive line, but we talked about it. There were, okay, yeah, we talked. We haven't talked up their wide receivers. We talked, to, you know, about their wide receivers, but likely they're going to be again in negative game script situations. Mm-hmm. They don't have the most elite or even the best wide receivers or above average wide receivers. Mm-hmm. So 
these wide receivers are probably going to have issues with separation. So, yes, TJ Hawkinson, maybe, okay, maybe he's one or two. Well, Perriman got speed. I think he's going to be able he's to He's got separate. speed, but. I don't, Tyrell, I don't know, but Perriman yeah. definitely has speed. They both technically have, I mean, Tyrell was kind of known as a, you know, a right. deep threat to begin with. But what I'm saying is that at the end of the game, you know, defenses are in prevent. Jared Goff's first reaction is not going to be, let me run out of the pocket. Mm-hmm. Jared Goff's first reaction is going to be, let me pass to this quick, Great pass catching back out of the right. backfield. I got you. Know? you. And, and, and so I see, I see, yeah, I see a lot of dump offs. My, my thing is, I, I I think there's a chance Williams might cut into that a fair amount, and we don't know how much. Yeah. But I just wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being a lot more than what we we wanted or we assumed it. Would I, be. I lo- actually I love Jamal Williams. I, I have a lot. Of, yeah, I, I, I have too. a lot of Jamal I Williams. So, but I, I, mean, see, I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I see Jamal Mil- Jamal Williams more as a sort of kind of in between back. Uh, or sorry, uh, uh, you know, the in between the tackles uh, type back. I know he can pass catch, but I don't think that uh, I think that they are viewing uh, DeAndre Swift in that role. And then the the ceiling for DeAndre Swift is that they see the talent. Remember, DeAndre Swift is in to me. I don't want to say elite, but he is a great running back. He is. Okay, he's a great running back. And there were some things that he can definitely improve on. But last year was his rookie year, okay? The offensive line only got better. Yeah, Their offensive line is better, and this is a team that wants to run. So I think that the, 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 from a running game standpoint that the volume is going to be there, but they're going to be in a lot of negative game scripts. So he's also going to uh, see a lot of work in the passing down. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the Jags for a second because I feel like that offense is kind of in flux as well. We don't know who's going to be the dominant pass catcher there. To be honest, I don't know who's going to be the dominant running back in that offense. Let's talk about the type of offense that we expect from the Jags and whether we expect them to be a run-heavy offense, a balanced offense, or whether they're going to really put the ball in their first-pick quarterback Trevor Lawrence's hands. What offense do you guys expect from the Jags? You want to take this or you want me to go first? No, you can go ahead. Oh, he's pulling, out the, notes. Notes. He's pulling out the notes. notes. Hey, you know he's pulling out the notes. He's pulling out the notes. He's ready. He's pulling out the notes. Let me pull out the glasses. Oh, Yo. man. So, before I start talking about the Jazz, <laughs> what I first want to do is reference an article. Set the mood. That specifically referenced a video that I would like to play here today. Okay, this is uh, Tim May. A video. This is Tim May. He has media queued up. Media <laughs> oh, y'all got it queued up. up. Wow. Okay, queued I won't up. even prove it none of hey. this. Boys are setting hey. things up without telling me. I see. Okay. <laughs> if you stay hey. ready, you ain't got to get ready. You got to get ready. ready. Okay, so All right. Hey, so I'm I want to play. I'm a spectator play. now, too. Go ahead. So, so I'm going to play a clip from Tim May's podcast. Um, it's an interview with Urban Meyer, and I think it gives us some insight on what this Jags offense is. Can be okay. Let's do it. I was set up, but all right, I'm here for it. What's your take on that? Well, you look at the history of offensive football at Ohio State, and obviously Troy Smith, the 016, uh, would go down as one of the great ones. Our 2014, I think, just statistically, might be one of the best. Or it might have been yeah. 2013 as well. But we, I want to say, we led the Big Ten in L offense every year, but maybe one, maybe two. Yeah. And I'm really disappointed that didn't happen. But I guess that happens. Um, yeah. Uh, the key position to me is going to be running back. If Trey Sermons, Master Teague, and Crowley, you know, you're losing a horse. We've always had a horse. The last, you look at the last seven years from Carlos Hyde to Zeke Elliott to J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber, we've had a horse. And, and I, once again, I don't, I'll fight anybody in this. You have to run the football. 
to be successful at the highest level. I'm not talking about the you know to get fans in the stands and all that, but at the end of the day, if you go win a national championship, at some point you're going to have to line up and smack someone and knock the line of scrimmage back. They can do that, but do they have the weaponry at the tailback position? And will they stay healthy? Because you don't want to run, you know, Justin Fields, you know, they have two freshmen behind them. Yeah. Back. So they're going to, I know that's for a fact, they're going to be very cautious. You know, they could run that kid a lot. But, you know, he's got such good weaponry outside, like you said. The tight end is a guy that's almost forgotten, too, and he's the best tight end I've, I've recruited out of high school. He's the best tight end I've seen come out of high school. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, so I first want to, you know, I want to give uh, Dave Richards with CBS, uh, uh, you know, he put out an article uh, really sort of kind of going through his thoughts on what this Urban Meyer-led Jacksonville Jaguar team was going to uh, uh, be like in 2021. Uh, and it, you know, I think the article is great and that, and it's sort of kind of his opinion, but you know, he referenced that particular video uh, or that particular podcast. And I think hearing it in context and that with just sort of kind of my deep dive into what Urban Meyer has done throughout his collegiate career has kind of led me to, what my understanding of what this offense is going to be. Okay. And this is obviously with the caveat that, you know, we don't know. Okay. So we know urban Myers is coming in as a head coach. He has specifically said that he is not going to call plays, but he did allude and uh, to saying that basically uh, my, you know, my vision or what I want this offense to be, or that he's going to basically going to have a strong influence, you know, in terms of, you know, how this offense was going to be run. Uh, and so obviously he hired uh, Daryl Bevel as his offensive coordinator and Schottenheimer as a uh, passing game coordinator. But when I go back and look at Urban Meyer's history, okay, excluding 2008, I think that was a year where he was suspended for a few games and he gave up pass, call, uh, pass uh, or play calling duties. You mean Urban Meyer? Urban Meyer, yeah. In he gave college? Up, yeah, in college. To he, Jason Day. Yeah, to mm-hmm. Jason Day. He was more run heavy every single year, pretty much, than he was pass heavy. Meaning the ratio of run plays to passing plays, it was, I think, something along the lines about, you know, 55% to 45% run versus pass. Mm-hmm. And obviously that fluctuates a little bit, but for the most part, he was more run heavy than pass heavy. And yes, I know, game script comes into that. If you're blowing people out, you're going to run more, et cetera. But just keep that in mind, Okay. Pretty much throughout his collegiate career, he has had a running quarterback or a mobile quarterback dating back to Alex Smith, Tim Tebow, Barrett, okay, up until the point of Dwayne Haskins, who I don't consider a, a really a running or mobile yeah, quarterback. I don't not, consider he's Dwayne not a mobile quarterback, okay? And that was the year in 2008 where they passed for not traditionally. No, he's just he's just not a mobile quarterback. Right, right, right. So that's the year where I think again, he gave up. Uh, play calling duties, but I don't necessarily know that that was the main reason why they started passing more. I think he was a part of developing a scheme that was tailored and perfected to Dwayne Haskins' skill set, which is more the passing game, okay? So what I see is an offensive-minded head coach who is going to tailor the offense to and towards his best offensive skill players. And right now, his best offensive skill player is Trevor Lawrence, okay? We just heard him. He said, I will fight anybody on this. To mm-hmm. succeed at the highest level, you have to run the ball. 
Yes, he runs a spread offense, but this is a run-based offense. And so I think what he wants to do is he wants to spread the field and create an environment to where his running back is running against a light box and his quarterback, who is mobile, can run RPOs and hit quick hitters, slants, comebacks, what have you, basically close, closer towards the line of scrimmage, occasional shot plays here or there. But I think this is an offense that is really going to be I don't want to say run heavy, but it's going to be more centered around the run with that West Coast offense style, running a lot of RPOs. But what does that get? What does that lead? So, so I think there's, in my mind, having said all that, I think there's one player that's just being absolutely disrespected mm-hmm. currently. Okay. It is not DJ Chark. Mm-hmm. It's not LaVisca Chenault. Mm-hmm. It's not James Robinson. Just say the dude, man. Come on, man. <laughs> it's not Travis Etienne. <laughs> <laughs> Who is okay. it? It is Trevor Lawrence. Okay. It is Trevor Lawrence. Think about this. Think about the offenses that Urban Meyer has been in and what those running quarterbacks have done in those offenses. Mm-hmm. Think about the offensive weapons that he has done. We didn't hear the entire pod, but he basically alludes to – he wants explosive players, and he wants to create an environment when he gets those explosive players uh, in situations to succeed, to take it to the house, obviously. We have ETN. You have LaVisca Chanel. You have DJ Chark. You have Marvin Jones who can stretch the field, okay? And then you have a good running back in James Robinson, and you have a quarterback, number one overall pick, who has wheels and has an arm. We've been sort of kind of wrapping our heads around, okay, who's the neck, who's that late round quarterback to go after? And we talked about our boy Trey Lance. And I love Trey Lance, and I still love Trey Lance, but we've seen Trey Lance's ADP significantly rise. Before when we were getting him in the 15th round, mm-hmm. now we're seeing him go in the 11th, 12th round. And that's tough. That's a tough price mm. to, to, to pay. Early in the draft season, we were seeing Trevor Lawrence go that high. I mean, I was seeing him go as high as the ninth round. Okay, and we've seen his ADP significantly drop towards the 15th round now. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting to make a pivot where I don't necessarily want to spend that high draft capital on a Trey Lance necessarily. And I am really opening up my eyes to the idea that Trevor Lawrence has the potential to ball out. And I'm going to leave you with this. That Jags O-line. Wait, wait. Is this what you were saying? Hey, let's not, let's not go there. Okay, let's not go there. <laughs> let's not go there. But yes, right. answer is yes. <laughs> but t- that Jags O-line, has got, they've, got, they've got some potential, okay, on that. I think they've... They're experienced. They're experienced. They're bringing back the whole offensive line that started at least two years. Yeah. The last two years in the NFL. So they, they, yeah, they, they got they, they've got skill on that offensive line. Yeah. They've got legitimate weapons at the skill position, okay? Mm-hmm. They do. They have a bad defense. They have a bad defense. Horrible defense. They play the Texans twice. Mm -hmm. They play the Titans twice. And they overall just have one of the easiest schedules Mm -hmm. of any team that I've seen this year. Remember, they had the worst worst record in the league, okay? And I think, I don't know, Vegas has them as like six or six and a half to – that to me is just that just yeah that's well, more wins? wins that's more Texans disrespect than anything else but I don't I don't even see them six, winning six, that six many games wins. yeah I see them lose basically I see them losing a lot more games I'm taking the under with that so they're going to be in a lot of negative game scripts again well, this is a you mobile took the under with six wins yeah yeah six six and a half wins yeah. yes yes six wins yes yes mm. let's not, not, not digress let's not digress yeah okay okay 
to me, this is again, this is a young quarterback. What's going to happen when that pocket breaks down, or what's going to happen when he when he sees teams in prevent? Instinct is going to kick in. He's going to run, and there's going to be design runs. There's going to be design RPOs. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's going to take off. He uses his quarterback near the goal line and in the red zone as well. There's going to be options there. I think we are potentially missing the boat on someone you can draft very late. Okay, Trevor Lawrence. I agree with your overall oh, conclusion, yeah, but Dale, yeah. no, 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 okay. no, no. I'm going to you, Dale. I agree with your overall conclusion, yeah. but Dale, did they draft a quarterback with the number number one overall pick to be a run heavy offense? I mean, I don't think I don't think he said he was, they were going to be run heavy, but I run, don't think run so. Centric. Uh, well, run that's kind of what so, I mean. Oh. San Francisco okay. drafted a so, quarterback in the top round, and they're going to be a run-heavy offense. So, yeah, and I so don't think quick, we expect quick. Garoppolo or Trey Lance to necessarily be real, slinging real it around. I just had a main event not too long ago, mm-hmm. and Lawrence was actually drafted the same round or the round after Lance. So he was still kind of going. Now, maybe as a recent, things have changed. But yeah, oh, yeah. Know. ADP ADP has Trevor Lawrence going after Trey Lance. Yeah, no, he was after him. It's yeah. just I was saying they were drafted, like, very close to each other. I recall thinking that. Uh, but, but as far as the answer to your question, so the way I look at it is, first off, yes, Urban Meyer probably does feel that way. To dominate in the NFL, you have to run the ball successfully. By the way, go ahead and play my clip now. This is a perfect time. No, What's going on? I don't have no clip. I thought I was slick. I was like, we got you. So, yeah, so, yeah, so, Urban Meyer might believe that. And mm-hmm. to some extent, I feel like most coaches probably do believe that. But there's one thing as far as what you want to do, and there's another thing as far as what you're going to be able to do. Now, remember, he kept referring to his Ohio State years, which I get that's where he had a lot of successes as well as in Florida. But those two teams tended to have the most talented players on the field every game. And you mentioned it a little bit. You kind of buried the lead. But Ohio State and Florida tended to blow out almost every team they played. And they always had these positive game scripts. They had the luxury of just running the ball and shoving it down whoever they were playing's throat pretty much the whole game. You know, they had Mm -hmm. the top-end running backs, you know. Um... They had the top end receivers. They had the they had like three, four quarterbacks that could all start any season. You know, so I don't want to just to just ignore that fact. Now that he's in the NFL, we just said it. The Jaguars were the worst team in the NFL last year by record stand. You know, um, they added a few pieces, but they didn't add a lot. You know, they didn't add a lot this season. So I don't see them as being drastically improved compared to how they were last year. So for me, again, they can say they want to run the ball. But as far as what's going to happen, and you did mention this, they're probably going to lose a lot more games, which means they're probably going to, if they want to win. Yep. Now, if they just mail it in and say, look, we just can't win this game, you know, maybe this won't happen. But if they're actually trying to compete these games, they're going to mo- most likely throw the ball a fair amount. Again, they do have a – their number one pick was a quarterback. And he's not just any just quarterback that happened to be the number one pick. Trevor Lawrence was one of the highest-touted high school quarterbacks ever. You know, he was one of the highest graded um, draft prospect quarterbacks ever. Mm-hmm. We're talking about somebody on your Andrew Luck, Joe, John Elway type levels. Um, he has talent. This is a good guy. I mean, he can run the ball, yes, but he can he can he can sling that mug too quite well. Um, and let's not forget that. Not to mention, and I know you know we've talked about it quite a bit. Them drafting Travis Etienne with their number one pick. 
and then I mean not the number one pick, but the, a first round pick, but having him practice at the receiver slot. Mm-hmm. I think that's significant more so in the fact that I do think they're going to use him as a running back, but I do see them using him as a receiver a fair amount as well. They added Marvin Jones, who they gave a, a fair contract, a two-year contract. I want to say two-year, $14 million. He likes big receivers. You know, so yeah. so he has these weapons. They drafted a, a quarterback with the number one pick. Um, they're going to throw that ball to me. Again, even though it might not be what they want to do, if they're successful, they're probably going to run the ball, and they have a good back. And I, I, when you were uh, mentioning names, you forgot to mention the name. I'm always having to remind you about Carlos Hyde. Who they like? I know. I know you don't care about it. So, from that standpoint, okay, we're gonna get into the receivers because that's really where a lot of the money is. But I, I did. Want, I just wanted to highlight. I wanted to lead with that because I think that Trevor Lawrence is the main one that I want to target in this All right, offense. Okay. Okay. But I, I'll let you get to it. But yeah. but they do like Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde has a history of Urban Meyer, so they do have these James Robinson, Carlos Hyde, ETN. They have these running backs that they would probably love to just run it down people's throats. But at the end of the day, I feel like the passing is going to be where they're going to utilize most of their offensive snaps. And you, you'll find by the end of the season, I mean, we've seen just like if you look at the Peyton Manning first season, he, I think he broke a record for interceptions. Um, he didn't have that great of a season, but they kept putting him out there and they kept having him throw the ball. Um, but different style offense. It, it is. It is a different so, style yeah. offense. But, but again... Whoa, they can say they want to do one I, way, but when it gets yeah, comes but out I'm, there, I'm just more alluding to the to. to I, I wanted to sort of kind of break it down from that standpoint, from a sense that uh, when we're looking at the running back group, I'm not ending up with a lot of ETNs because I don't see this as a scenario. That everyone's sort of kind of, you know, I think people who are high on ETN see a scenario where he just sort of kind of takes over the lead role or the majority of the work, and I don't see that happening in this offense. I don't think that this what this offense is about. I think this offense is about trying to establish a strong run game while still spreading the defense out. I think there's a fine balance there. But I think he wants – you just heard him. And if you hear the rest of that interview, he talks about really having a strong workhorse back. He talks about having a workhorse back. And he talks about having multiple of them, okay? He just just talked about uh, Trey Sermon but then also listed out – Listed off the, the depth. Exactly. So, so are you saying you think this team is going to be balanced or more run heavy? They're, they're going to want to try to be balanced. Okay. I think they're going, from a standpoint of, they are going to want to give James Robinson the ball to run in between the and tackles. And, and Okay, and Carlos Hyde. But make <laughs> Carlos Hyde a significantly less degree, you know, percentage. But ETN will definitely, I think, have value. So I like seeing ETN, like, if I go wide receiver heavy and getting him in, like, in the fifth round with that upside, with the idea that maybe he, you know, maybe he does take so over. So I was looking but a I don't, bit, yeah. I was looking at a little bit at ETN and, and kind of the news surrounding him. Uh, they did mention they wanted him to be a slash player. Um, and when, when people saw that, I don't know if they specifically said it, but they compared that to the way – he was using Curtis Samuel, my guy Curtis Samuel, and Percy, and Percy Harvin, mm-hmm. who were both actual running backs yep. mm-hmm. in college. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Curtis Samuel, they, they mentioned a stat where he actually ran or ha- received the most targets in college that year for a running back. Yeah. You know, so I can see them utilizing him in that role, but still having him, you know, run the ball. And they, they ran the ball. So, so. Check it. Percy Harvin's offensive coordinator in Minnesota and Seattle was uh, Darren Bevel. A- absolutely. Mm. Darren Bevel's I – don't, I don't know what to make of Darren Bevel. Okay, I'll say this. I think he's average. 
He's been in some good situation. Okay, he was like with Brett Favre. He was Russell with Wilson. Russell Wilson. Yeah. And then he ended up in Stafford. That whole Detroit situation, I don't want to hold too much against him from that. That was just a bad team. Right. But he, you know, I don't know. I don't, it's, it's hard. In my mind, Daryl Bevel is more of a run-based, run-centric offensive coordinator. He did have that one play call, that infamous play call in the Super Bowl. Which where, one? The, 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 the Malcolm uh, Butler interception? Yeah, yeah. Well, he called the – He called the. Uh, he called that. But that's because he terrible. had – I, th- I think he – That's no, a big play call. They, everyone, I, I don't know. From what I've seen, I, I heard it was Bevel. Okay. Uh, but he had a close relationship with Russell Wilson. But so, but I don't think Bevel is bringing so his in offense. playing favoritism or something? I don't know. I don't think Bevel <laughs> is bringing in his offense. I think this is yeah. definitely going to be no, – I agree. Uh, I think Urban it's Myers. Urban Meyer offense for But sure. again, you, you, you read up on Urban Myers and you, you kind of listen to a lot of his interviews. He does preach and talk about, okay, like this is not a dictatorship, okay? You know, when I bring in offensive coordinators uh, or even defensive coordinators, it's a think tank, okay? And we want to maximize our talent. So I think you have to look at their best player, which is I think is Trevor Lawrence, and how are they going to utilize him? And the fact, you know, again, he's not a running, he's not like, you know, Lamar Jackson style, but the dude has wheels. Yeah, yeah. And I think to not utilize him in RPO, play action pass, rollout, design runs, like I, I see that. And then when the pocket breaks down, remember, he's still a rookie quarterback, as great a prospect as this is. Yeah. He's, it's, he's still a rookie quarterback, so when the pocket breaks down, he has the wheels to move. And also, I don't want us to talk about the Jaguars without talking about the guy I actually like the most on their offense, and that's LaViscus Chenault. I did mention Marvin Jones. They also have DJ Shark as receivers. But I'm a big, big fan of Chenault. So rank the three wide receivers. Chenault. And then who are the other two? <laughs> <laughs> that's how I see it right now. You know? So it. so for me, it's Chenault. Um, I've been following him since he was in high school. I mean, this guy was a beast in high school. They, they I think they refer to him as LeBron James wide receivers in college, oh, his early season. Big, strong, running back type yeah. player. You know, he can actually be a running back. He's fun film to watch. Yeah, yeah, he can be a running back. I mean, he'll catch the ball. He'll try to run you over. Yeah. You know, he's not afraid of, or he doesn't shy away from contact whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and he, it, it looks like he's still learning the position. You know, he looks like he's still trying to figure out how to yeah. run routes the right way. And if he gets that, he can be a special, special player. I will tell you this. I will tell you this. Uh, I was not on the Chanel bandwagon. Uh I wasn't on the DJ. I wasn't on any of their bandwagons, to be to be quite honest. Okay, I thought there was just a very like we usually talk about ambiguous wide receiving room, but watching going back and watch the tape, I actually thought he did an excellent. I won't say excellent, but a, a great job at route running. Mm. To me, he is more the short and intermediate route runner, right. and I see him as like a big slot receiver. Right. Remember, this team has no tight end. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. so when and that's another reason why. That's another reason why I wanted to sort of kind of talk about the spread offense and getting your best players in space. Mm-hmm. Because as a big slot receiver, you can have Marvin Jones sort of kind of run, you know, run, you know, deep dig routes. You can have, you know, Shark. He's, he, Shark is a speed guy. You know, he's, you know, he can kind of clear things out. But you can have, you know, you can have Chenault just come in and run these drag routes, these slant routes, these quick out routes. So for me, like, I've come around and I do see him as that, you know, the best Jags receiver to own. And he's going at a nice price. I don't right. think he's going to see, like, a significant amount of the targets. Mm-hmm. But I think he's going at a nice price. I do want to mention this. Last year his quarterbacks were Minshew and who was that other random Glennon. quarterback? Glennon. Was Glennon. Okay, and they had another random, <laughs> random quarterback. that was the, So yeah. that was his quarterback for his rookie season. Now he's getting... 
one of the most highly touted prospects ever, I, I really can see him just, you know, taking off. Taking off. It's gonna be right. tough. There's a lot of mouths to feed in that offense. I just it see, is, is a it, lot it's of really mouths. just three. This is this is this, uh. I guess this is this is this is why I'm hesitant. This is why I'm hesitant. You just said three, it's four. This is why I'm hesitant on uh Oh you mean ETN? Yeah, on ETN. This is why I'm hesitant on Chanel. I don't see him just having a significant target share. I don't think he's going to be running a lot of uh, 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 deep routes. I think it's going to be a lot of short and intermediate stuff. I don't know how much he's going to do uh, in the red zone. I think it's going to be tough to, for him to have like you know wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two upside. So I like him as a wide receiver two, but you can draft him now as a wide receiver three, wide receiver. Oh four. yeah, you can give him a good, so you a good can, value. Yeah, so. I, I, I do think. He has the potential to be what you're saying. Yeah. He might struggle to excel. I think he can probably excel in all of those things. Yeah. And if he does, with the type of talent he has, he can be a very special, you know, major asset for your fantasy team. Um, and, again, he's, he's being taken late. Like, wide yeah. receiver, late wide yeah. receiver two, early wide receiver three. Yeah. With that type of talent, and he, he's going into his second season, you yeah. know, you usually see, see a big jump. Second season, third season, you know, things like that. So it's to be determined. It's to be determined. That's fair. All right, guys. So let's stay on 2020 draft. I want to talk about the Jets for a second, and I'll get to the 2020 draft in a second. But the Jets re-signed. Let's start that over because that was like, yeah, that was. All right, guys. I want to talk the Jets for a second. Um, they re-signed Jamison Crowder. They signed Corey Davis. They picked with the second pick. They brought in Zach Wilson. Is there some fantasy value in New York again? No. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> come on. Uh, I, you know, so, okay, there is. There's, there's value everywhere. Uh, again, I think you kind of have to start off, uh, you know, with what type of offense this is. Uh, obviously, you know, they're bringing in um, uh, LaFleur uh, over from San Francisco. Obviously, Sal is coming over from San Francisco. So, you know, they want to bring over that, you know, kind of stretch uh, zone run scheme uh, that they in that Shanahan style offense. Uh, I, I really think that this team, you know, you know, definitely wants to establish the run. To me, when looking at the Jets, um, they're – where they excel and their best skill sets are in the trenches, their offensive mm. line and their defensive line. To me, that, that is where the Jets excel. So I think this is a team that's going to try to win with their defense and try and maintain uh, you know, ball control on offense by running the ball. I definitely think there will be you know, uh, some gadgetry type plays. There will be... Uh, uh, you know, a lot of play action pass. You, you know, obviously they drafted Zach Wilson, their quarterback of the future, who is just of immensely the, talented. Now, not the future. He's the quarterback of the now. Quarterback now, but I mean, in terms of, <laughs> okay, quarterback now, but yeah. I, I think he's immensely talented. So I'm not downplaying Zach Wilson's potential. Let me put it that way. I felt like he, out of all the quarterbacks in the draft, he had the most potential. When I saw him, I felt like I was watching a young, raw Aaron Rodgers. And, we, and I texted you. you know, yeah, I texted you immediately. But that being said, I think it's going to take him some time. And I think the, the, you know, having a defensive-minded head coach, having an offensive coordinator trying to really come in and establish a certain, uh, a certain uh, environment, you know, I think really they are going to focus on doing things. I don't want to necessarily say the right way, 
but you're really building from the trenches, establishing the run. And then, you know, guys like Elijah Moore, and I'll let you kind of get into some of the skilled players, uh, and whoever emerges from that backfield, you know, those will obviously be uh, the targets for fantasy. So, you know, from the wide receiving group for me, it's Elijah Moore, but I'm not, you know, I'm not reaching for him. Uh, I think it's going to take uh, – it's going to be difficult to, to predict uh, – what weeks he's going to be predictive. I think it's going to be a very volatile-like season for him. It's not necessarily someone I want to rely on. I don't think it's going to be a, a high-pass volume offense. Uh, and then, you know, from the running back position, uh, it's going to be tough. I think early in the season, I really do think it's going to be Tevin Coleman, and I kind of had some hesitancy uh, with that. Uh, but, you know, credit Dale kind of for bringing him up. They, You know, this is a, you know – He's familiar with the scheme. He was familiar with it in Atlanta. He was familiar with it in San Francisco. And the same coaching staff has seen him at multiple places, and they felt the need to bring, to bring him, him in. Over, yeah. So to just say that they're just bringing him in just to bring him in, you know, bring him in. They they know what he is. They know what mm-hmm. he they know what he can do, and they decided to pay him and bring him in. Uh, we don't have anybody on this, you know, in this backfield that has super high draft capital, especially with this current regime. I think everyone is high on Michael Carter Williams, and I, I like Michael Carter Williams. I love the talent. I see him more as a change of pace, uh, third down back, as opposed to sort of kind of a lead back in an RBBC or anyone who's going to see really any significant goal line carries and asking kind of a rookie to come in and, and do that, I think it's going to be tough. I do like him for this specific run scheme. I do think he, that he can do some damage, uh, but where he's going in draft drafts, I think it's just a little bit too rich uh, for me. And then there are just a number of other guys that I'll kind of let you uh, dive into. The last player that I wanted to talk about, yes, I'm bringing him up again uh, <laughs> because just because we are heading into training camp and again, it's important to understand what the offense is trying to do. Yes, players can kind of dictate to some degree how an offense will be run. But for me, especially when it comes to a Shanahan-style type system and coming into an, you know, coming into a, an organization in a roster like the Jets, they are going to try to establish their system. They're going to try to get players to buy into their so system. You're talking about Tyler Croft, right? No, no, no. I'm talking about Chris Herndon, <laughs> okay? I'm talking about the – I'm talking about ideally the most athletic, okay? The unicorn. The unicorn in that group, yeah. okay? We, I've already kind of talked about, you know, the offseason and how some of the fluff I thought was misinterpreted when you really go back and kind of read through the transcripts. Uh, but just, you know, you don't have to draft them. Just keep, you know, keep your ears open. Listen to training camp news. Specifically, listen to who's running with the ones. Is he not being drafted? He's not being drafted right now. I thought he was being drafted. He's not. He was being drafted, and that news came out, and then he just fell off. And, and, and then we have preseason games as well. So we'll be able to find out. But if you were struggling at you know, tight end and you need to throw a dart, just understand this. Forget the name of the player. There's potentially a tight end in that offense that's going to see significant targets Okay, because likely that's what that offense does. Okay, now they may change it up. They're definitely going to have some adjustments here or there. But just know that that's like a that may be like a free a free space. And so don't don't listen to what what we heard in OTAs and take that as gospel. Keep your ears open because things may change. So this kind of goes back to what I was saying with the Lions. I think you could really find fantasy um, value in really any team, especially if you can get them at value. None of the Jets are going high. Maybe Elijah Moore and, and Michael Carr, the two rookies. 
you know, people tend to like shiny new things, so I kind of understand where that's coming from. But all in all, the Jets' offense, they're not being taken high. Most of them are not even being drafted. Um, so if there's any kind of fantasy value that comes from there, it's going to be a win. You know, you're playing with house money to some extent. So just real quick, and I looked at the Jets a little bit. Um, they brought in Joe Douglas from the Eagles two years ago, you know. Um, and Joe Douglas was meant to kind of help turn their team around. Adam Gate, uh, you know, it's it's kind of kind of the end thing to just bash Adam Gase any chance. So I'm not just going to put it all on him. But at that time, he was the head coach, and the Jets had no stability. They had no real direction. Perfect so, storm. So, just, so Joe yeah. Douglas came in, a very respected guy, uh, executive from the Eagles, GM. One of the first things he wanted to do was try to improve the um, – and you kind of mentioned the trenches, yeah. specifically the offensive line. He actually signed three guys last year, or not, not last year, 2019. Signed three guys. Um, George Fan was one of them. Yeah. Um, a couple other guys, McGovern uh, or whatever. The next year, he ended up drafting Makai mm-hmm. Benton, massive Benton. human being. Benton, yeah. You know, big dude, um, who is now their current left tackle. Mm-hmm. Very talented. Drafted him in the first round. Yep. Um, so they definitely invested a lot of draft capital there. This year, of course, you like you said, they drafted Zach Williams, the number two pick, but they traded up from the 23rd pick to the 14th pick to draft um, another guy, Vera something, uh, offensive lineman. Vera from, Taylor? Vera Johnson. Something like that, but he was yeah. from USC. Somebody that was well-respected in the draft again. You know how I feel about players that, are, that, are, um, that people, teams trade up for. So they, they highly covered it. So all those guys I just mentioned, are actually they're starting – Vera Tucker, I believe his name is. Yeah, Vera Tucker. They actually, that's actually the starting lineup right now for the Jets. So he, he basically revamped the whole start, uh, starting lineup offensive line. They draft Zach Wilson, who with Zach Wilson, he's one of those, for me, I love players like that for fantasy. He, he slings the ball. Like, like you mentioned Aaron Rodgers. I kind of saw mm-hmm. that a little bit too. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of hard to really compare a player to, to Aaron Rodgers. But that's kind of what he looked like. You know, he was just flicking the wrist. Immensely talented. That arm you know? is immensely talented. So when you see a player that, that has that type of skill set, not every game, you, you might not have that consistency every single game, but there's going to be times where he's going to show that off. And it's going to look great and it's going to produce fantasy points. You look, you look, and I'll get to the running backs in a second, but you look at the receivers, the pass catchers. You mentioned Elijah Moore, who... Very um, highly respected or, or highly touted prospect from Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. He actually backed up A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf a couple years ago. Um, once they left, he kind of took over the, the main guy. A.J. Brown actually said he was a better player than him. The infamous Twitter video. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you, so A.J. Brown really respects him. Yeah. A.J. Brown, Brown really respects drafted, him yeah. as far as his talent level. And we've heard nothing but great drum beats all off-season long yeah. regarding his practice. But it is report. OTAs. Yeah, it's OTAs. So we've heard all these great things about him. They also signed um, – they gave a big bag to Corey Davis. Mm-hmm. $12 million, $12 million uh, per yeah. for three years. I think three-year contract, $37 million or something like that. Overpaid. That, yeah, they probably did overpay. <laughs> but, but, but don't forget, Corey Davis was a top five draft pick. And he should not have been. About four years ago. And he should not um, have been. Yeah, I mean, we don't know. We don't know what happened. No, I know. I know. Yeah, we don't know. But, Corey Davis cannot separate he had, to save his life. He had talent. And at the time, nobody was saying, whoa, what are y'all doing 
Titans. Y'all shouldn't have drafted that guy that high. Yeah. Um, we all make mistakes. So they have him. They still they brought back Crowder. They re-signed him, which, you know, is controversial why they even needed to bring him back. But but they did bring him back. And Crowder is good. We've seen Crowder produce. They um they drafted Denzel Mims in the second round last year from Baylor. Um uh, a combine um beast. Uh and one name that kind of gets swept under the rug that people kind of don't pay attention to is they signed from the Jaguars, Keenan Cole, who I've actually heard has been doing pretty well as well. Mm. They actually like him a lot. So they have all these new weapons, new weapons, revamped offensive line, this quarterback that's not afraid to throw the ball. Um, and then you got these running backs that are all kind of like, uh, you know, ambiguous backfield, if you will. You mentioned Tevin Cole, who's my favorite for the reason you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he's going to end the season as the top guy, yeah. but I do believe he's going to start the season as and the that's top key. guy. That's key. Um, Tevin Coleman. He's had injury concerns, but Tevin Coleman is not old, very fast, and he came from the system uh, where Matt LaFleur is coming mm-hmm. from. Um, he's one of their top signings, so it's they that, like him. It's that same phenomenon. Like, we want to just sort of kind of discard, you know, what we consider the old or the veteran player because right. mm-hmm. this new guy's come. It's a, it's a bias, and we all do it. I know right. I do it. So, like, we want to like Michael Carter-Williams. We want him to take over. Right. So we got to basically discredit and downgrade the other guys. The other guys. And, and I'm not even that big on Michael Carter. Um, yeah. I have my reasons for that. But he's talented. I watch his tape. He looks great. Share the backfield with Javante Williams. Yeah. Um, I just don't know if he's gonna come out day one or even early in the season and just take that job. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They, they, they. You can see they trust Tevin Coleman yeah. to some extent. They still got Ty Johnson, who was, he's young. I think he's been in the league a couple of years. They got Lamichael Piran. Yeah, these are Jags. But, but what do I always say? It yeah. doesn't matter what we think. It That's matters true. what they think as far as coaching. They do see these players at practice. These guys might look great at practice. Yeah. You know, do whatever they do on Sunday. So they have him. They one um name that people forget that actually I feel like you should kind of just pay attention to is, is Josh Adams. Mm-hmm. I think that's his name. Because yeah, he's the, the biggest guy. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's the only big guy that had. He was productive he's with the, with their, and he's, a rookie for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. then he actually had a good, not great, but he produced a little bit last year for the yeah. Jets near the end of the season. Maybe um, even Ty Johnson didn't look that bad. That's what I'm saying. That offensive yeah. line will make some, some of these Jags right. look decent. And, and every guy we just mentioned, except for the rookies, and maybe Corey Davis, you could take late. If not at all, because they'll probably be on the way. We didn't wide. even mention that. Yeah. They're, they're 20, was it 2020, 2019 pick with Michael P. Ryan? I did mention him. I did, oh, mention you did? Okay, okay, yeah, okay. But, but again, he's a Jag, too. He's, yeah. a, he's a Samaji P. Ryan's brother, cousin. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they got, and then the, the tight ends, or the tight end, let me say your unicorn, Chris Herndon. I know you. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah. don't let, I'm not going to ignore Tyler Croft, who's yeah. getting burned with the first team, as well as Ryan Griffin, yeah. former Texan. Yeah. So they have all these pieces, and they're going to most likely be losing games. They're in the same division as the Bills, Josh Adam, Allen. Mm-hmm. They're in the same division as the Dolphins. They're same, the same division as the Patriots. I expect them to lose all those games, which means they're <laughs> probably going to be trying to come back, and they're probably going to be throwing the ball. And, again, we're talking about a quarterback that, for Likes what we see, it. will just sling it. Yeah. You know, maybe he has a little yeah. degaff in him. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so I wouldn't be surprised if we look back near the end of the season and say, wow, these Jets actually – there's a lot of fantasy here that we could have utilized, we could have drafted, and probably would have gave us that edge that we're always looking for. Remember, we're always looking for that edge. Yeah. So definitely don't ignore the Jets. Yeah, I mean, I can, man, I don't I, The Jets make me want to vomit. Uh, yeah, it always does. <laughs> it never feels but not, good. But not even that. Like, I, I think the Jets, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to draft. I, I, I mean, let, I, look at the wide, I look at the wide, Let me ask you this. If you, if you take away the name of the team and their jersey. It's not the name play. of the team. I'm, I'm looking specifically at their roster. Okay. Specifically at their wide receivers, I, I should say. I think, you know, 
any running back that has a pulse that starts and gets carries and touches could potentially be, you know, of value. Okay. And, and yeah, their raw their wide receivers may be weak, you know, bi week fill ins here or there's if some people right. get injured. But for me, for the most part, it's gonna be volatile as hell it trying might to be. figure out. It might be. It's a quarterback, remember. As talented as I think he is, I think he is still pretty raw. He had one good season in a very, very weak conference, mm-hmm. and the year before was just a turnover machine. Yeah, he was. Okay? He and was. he has a lot of mechanic issues that he needs to work out. So they're playing – and not only that, they're playing – yes, they're playing in a division and they may be behind a lot in the negative game scripts, but that New England Patriots defense, we've already talked about yeah. it. They're going to be gonna legit get better. Yeah. That, that Miami Dolphins defense, especially the yeah. – Every defense secondary, I just mentioned is going to be, is gonna be yeah. pretty The good. Buffalo Bills defense, especially their secondary defense, yeah. it doesn't matter if they're down. They're not going to be – like. And these yeah. and these are divisional games, but remember, so they're not going to be just like oh. But, but remember, you can have you can have this trash. Yeah. You can right. have this. But, but remember, none of these players that I'm mentioning you're drafting high, if not at all. I know, I know, but I'm saying I just I feel like I can still find better value yeah. on the uh, wide uh, receiver. I, I think what Corey Davis. I think the way you really should approach it is if we see week one and they actually show something, because people kind of feel the same way you feel, and I to some extent feel that way as yeah. well, as far as. You know, meh, when you think about the Jets. Mm -hmm. So I think if they have a fairly okay week one, I don't think everybody's just going to jump on the bandwagon immediately. All I'm saying is, since there's a path that you can kind of see, if they show it early, don't be afraid to take that slight leap of faith. I guess that's my issue. I don't see a path. I see, like, literally a roadblock with a bunch of warning signs. But if you see them shine week (laughs) one, if you see them shine week one, or you just say... It was just a. The problem is, okay. Say I see. Say I see. Say say this scenario they plays out. Week one, the Panthers. Say this. Say the this. Sam Darnold revenge game. Say, say this. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the Panthers. Yeah, it's the Panthers. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's a simple. It's a, it's a pretty good matchup. But to me, that's going to be you know. Say this scenario plays out week one. Okay, whoever the running back is does well. Okay. Say we Tevin Coleman just comes in. We've just already established that I'm okay with up. the running okay. backs. My issue is with the receivers. Okay. Because if Corey Davis goes out and has. Eight for 75 and a touchdown, no way I'm trusting that. I would need to see that for four weeks in a row. Okay. But because by that time, I, it's going to be too I, late. But, 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 that, but I know what Corey Davis is. Okay? So you, I, would, so you wouldn't even just add him to your roster and just have him be on your bench? Corey Davis, no. Okay. okay. I, I don't want to say it like that, but for the most part, no. Mm. Because I also know how talented Elijah Moore is. Yeah. So I can very much see the next week Elijah Moore. I hear taking, you. And but, then but, we but know if you're saying you have to Jake, wait four weeks... And then you might consider it by that time, if all that is happening, he's going to be long gone. Yeah, anything and he's can miss happen. It. Anything and, can and, happen. And that's fine. Anything can happen. You know, that's fine if you miss it. I could win another third title. I mean, literally anything could happen. <laughs> <laughs> you got to put stuff into the universe. You know? <laughs> okay, anything can happen. But yeah. like, I mean, what the, like, literally, what's the likelihood? Like, to me, I'm thinking, I what's mean, the likelihood? I, I don't know. Because Corey Davis goes like in the 12th round, 11th round. Like, he, I mean, yeah. that, to me, that's pretty significant. Elijah Moore goes even higher than that. Elijah Moore goes the and highest. And I, li- I like Elijah oh, the Moore. High, the highest receiver. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The highest jet is, is uh, yeah. Michael Carter. Because we've talked about eight. it. Look, we talked about it. Realistic, they're probably, you know, majority of the time likely running, you know, 12 personnel. Two wide receivers, maybe Elijah Moore is that you know uh, is a second wide receiver, and then when they go three, three wide receiver sets, maybe he's the outside guy, and and and, J- and, and Jamison Crowder is the slot. But you already then we just talked about uh, Keelan Cole. What if yeah. what if they decide to put Keelan Cole? I mean, it's it's going to be like this rotation. That, that is a very tough, and especially a young but, team. But that's and, all. But that's all the stuff we're hearing now. Yeah, and this is still very early. Yeah, we can hear all that stuff. Yeah, but then when week one comes around, they might say, you know what, we're just going to. 
play with these main wide receivers, whoever they happen to be, yeah. and we're going to feed them a million targets, and they're going to get garbage time work as well. And next thing you know, they have 20-something points. Not have, they're, not feeding, they're not feeding them targets. Man, only I mean, body we'll getting see, fed in that offense is running back. The only reason I want to consider is because I think we, we learned a valuable lesson from Herbert last year. Herbert was somebody that we kind of just ignored. Even though he was yeah. a top ten pick, yeah, um, he was he he was he got that job. He showed it early. Yeah, I mean Herbert. What I think he I, got I, that. I like I like the weapons in that offense. They had yeah. a great pass catching back who was experienced but, I mean, in who, the vet, and then they had Keenan Allen who's a top wide receiver. Got hurt. Eckler got hurt early, and okay. Mike Williams wasn't doing anything. It was really just Keenan Allen. Mike Williams still has draft capital. Right, right. But, but and I'm, they had Keenan but, Allen, but and I'm they had Hunter is, Henry. Herbert was doing his thing last year, and we kind of just those first couple games we just kind yeah, of just no, ignored I get it. it. I get know? it. There's just so I, many quarterbacks in the league that Zach Wilson. I mean, I don't. know. I guess maybe I have blinders on. And to your point, I mean, we need I, to be I take ready. everybody into consideration. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Just yeah. be ready. Yeah. You know. You know. So we don't have to get ready or whatnot. All right, so I want to talk about Hand talking about backup running backs. We spent a lot of time talking about Darrell or Darrell Henderson. Let's talk about handcuff philosophy. Do you guys That's like often- Kels. Kels. <laughs> right, right, Kels. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Let's talk about handcuff philosophy. Do you guys like often handcuff like when you have one of these top echelon running backs? Do you guys handcuff often, or do you just like, you know what, I have him, I'm going to trust him to go the distance? So, when it comes to handcuffing, obviously this is like a volatile, uh, controversial subject. Mm -hmm. Is it? I I really do think it is, because you have, but to me, like, it depends on how the draft is going, it depends on who the handcuffed is, it depends on, like, how comfortable or how confident I am in my team. Mm -hmm. But this is what I will say with handcuff. This is, I think, the most important thing when it comes to handcuff. First... Understand or think to yourself, I'm taking this player as a handcuff. Okay, so let's use the Cam Akers situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm taking Darrell Henderson as a handcuff and I'm taking him in X round. Mm-hmm. Who are you taking him over? Okay, to get this handcuff. Because the next question mm-hmm. you need to ask is if Cam Akers is injured, mm-hmm. what is the value of Darrell Henderson? And I think that's oftentimes a conversation or a thought process that we don't really delve into. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't go through all these scenarios. When I was drafting Darrell Henderson, I need just D. Henderson. When I was drafting D. Henderson, in my mind, I was thinking, okay, Cam Akers goes down. I potentially got a league-winning running back, you know, just automatically assume three-down running back. But then as soon as he went down, now, like, all of these different thoughts went through my head. I was sending text messages about they got to trade for Melvin Gordon. They're going to pick up. Immediately, my thought was this is not – he's not a three-down back. Mm-hmm. And so now I need to kind of rethink my process. Now, Darrell Henderson was going a lot later in drafts, and that's why he was one of my favorite handcuffs. So I you know, was fortunate enough with, with some shares of him. And I think – like I said, I think he's going to have value. Mm-hmm. So I think if you got him late, you got some value out of that. But that, to me, is a key in drafting a handcuff. So – I always like to get handcuffs that I don't have to spend significant capital on because you don't know what's going to happen. We see Pollard as one of the earliest handcuffs going. Mm-hmm. He is the most talented. He is in probably the best offense with one of the best offensive lines. So if Zeke does go down, I do see a scenario where he is the three down back. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I don't necessarily know that he can hold up an entire season. 
because I always hear this argument, you know, Pollard would be better, but is Pollard better over 17 games? So right. if Zeke goes down late in the season, then that's perfect. If Zeke goes down early in the season, then are, how comfortable do you think are you with the idea that to- Tony Pollard is going to get three down work, bell cow work the entire season? Mm-hmm. I, maybe. I think so. But when I actually think about it, am I really that sure that they're not just going to bring someone in? So do I want to take the chance of drafting him in that ninth, eighth round? Right. And with the idea that if Zeke were to go down in, uh, in, in training camp, now I have me a bell cow back. But he may not end up being a bell, call, bell cow back because they bring someone in. Okay, And I'm not saying that's going to happen with Tony Paul. But I think you need to think about that with each handcuff that you're drafting. So I like to not waste a lot of draft capital on him because I think a lot of those later picks, it's a luxury pick. Okay, yes, it's a game, potentially a season-winning pick, but it's a luxury pick. And a lot of these guys just don't hit. And when waiver wires come around, when injuries come around, these are often the guys that get dropped first. And a little kind of side note and tip, these are often the guys that I'm picking up. So so I added this question to like this show because I know that you guys think about handcuffs differently. So, Deo, I'm now passing the question to you. Like, what is your philosophy on handcuffs, and do you handcuff in drafts? Totally anti-handcuff. Because I see it, I feel like they handcuff because they want to have insurance for their higher pick, you know, probably their first, second round pick or whatever. Um, and, you know, that's what handcuff is, is you have one guy and you're handcuffing him to another guy to kind of be there in case something happens to your first guy. If you really look at it at face value, to some extent, it's a straight up hedge. You're basically saying, I'm, I'm picking this guy because if this guy goes down, then I could use this guy. Mm-hmm. The problem I have with that is you're basically assuming or, or preparing as if this guy is going to go down. Because right. if this guy doesn't go down, then where's the value in this handcuff? If For me, if I don't see standalone value, where if I'm in a pinch, I can just play this guy, you know, or, or this guy, I can see him even being a backup, he can still give me some kind of points. I really don't even want this guy on my team. Because say, for instance, last year with Pollard, you have Tony Pollard on your team. Zeke played every game last year except for one. It, it, it was a valuable week. I would think it was week 14, 15. It was very go valuable. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> because I know he knows. No, 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 no. He, he, he knows, knows the exact talk. week. Very valuable. It, it was very valuable. <laughs> but you were keeping this guy on your team all season long, never, ever able to play him. Mm-hmm. And you only have 20 rounds in drafts. Yeah. Every pick can be extremely valuable. So if you have a guy on your team – and, and, and it, when people do pick these handcuffs, they have a hard time dropping them too. It's like, nah, I got, just in case. Because you spent so much draft yeah, capital. Like on next him. week, I could, he might actually be useful to me. Yeah. So you just hold this guy all season long, but you're never truly able to play him. He takes up a roster spot. You can't even pick up somebody else that you like. Yeah. You know, when you have to kind of deal with bye weeks, you have to decide, okay, am I going to drop this guy for a bye week replacement? Am I going to conceive him playing this guy that probably won't give me anything? Mm-hmm. So. I don't really see a true value in saying, okay, let me have these players that I'm going to pick, I'm going to utilize only if something goes wrong. Because another thing, if something does go wrong with that first pick, 
your team is probably in trouble anyways. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like okay, yeah, you, you can put a handcuff in there and he can still produce and give you something, but we're trying to win the, the big thing. You mm-hmm. know, we're not just trying to be competitive or just trying to skate by. All right, guys, this is episode eight. We, we are over two hours right now. All the time. Let's, we have fun, though. Yes, this has been an, a great episode. Episode eight, first and 15. Thanks for listening, guys. Like subscribe rate we're out i said god give me a warning please take me for the morning so i leave more disappointments than i ever will appointments give a